to the Story Walk, a podcast by storytellers for storytellers. And we hope that means you. Whether you identify as a storyteller with a capital S or if you just like to tell stories in your work, say as a teacher, librarian, counselor or a community leader. And not forgetting, if you're a parent or a grandparent looking to share stories and values with your family, and since the story walk is presented by feast the federation of asian storytellers our focus is on sharing asian stories celebrating tellers from the philippines in the east to turkey in the west and countless storytelling communities that lie in between never really goes away it just changes into something else something beautiful sarah oakler's inspirational quote is the theme for our first episode as we celebrate metamorphosis a transformation a change welcome to the first episode of story walk season 2 i am nidhi gujral from india your host for this month and joining me as co-hosts are kosar karimi from singapore and Shelly Verma all the way from Switzerland all three of us are storytellers from india based in different parts of the world oh yes it's a miracle that we have managed to work together across three different time zones and might i add we have rustled up quite a feast with some fresh flavors to tempt our listeners palate once again The Story Walk has acquired a totally new set of producers keen to emerge from the chrysalis of feast as it were and eager to spread our wings as podcasters. Each episode will continue to share three stories, one for the kids, one for adults and in a new departure a third told bilingually in English and another Asian mother tongue. So yes, The story walk is keeping its essence while evolving into something different. Well, I can't wait to begin. In today's episode, we bring you stories infused with the bold flavors of transformation in our miso, dim sum and fortune cookie segment. And you would definitely not want to miss our nourishing entree with the storytelling expert Dr. Zenga Zalka all the way from Hungary. We will talk about how to find the story. This is the first in our series of Ace Your Story segment. And then we will step into the pantry to listen to the episode producers. That's us for some refreshing gossip. So let's begin with our first segment, Miso. travel all the way to Russia to listen to a delectable story by Ala Lebedeva. Ala is a member of Feast that is Federation of Asian Storytellers and she was also a part of its first international storytelling festival. Ala tells stories to audiences aged from 1 1/2 years to 100 years. She also conducts workshops for teachers and helps people 
to tell stories of their lives as she believes our souls talk through stories. Sister Alenushka and brother Ivanushka. It is a very old Russian folk tale. It is very famous here, and I believe every Russian child knows the story. I like this folk tale very much, and I hope you will like it also. Once upon a time, there lived two orphans the elder sister Alenushka and her younger brother Ivanushka. Their life wasn't easy for the orphans. One day they were walking through the field. The day was hot and the sun was high and Ivanushka got really thirsty, but there was no water around. Suddenly he saw a hoof print over a horse full to the brim with water. Oh, I'll drink from here, shouted Ivanushka. Oh, please do not, warned him Alenushka. If you drink from a hoof print of a horse, you will turn into a little foal. <sighs> so on and on, on and on they went, and the day was hot and the sun was high, and Ivanushka got even thirstier than before. Suddenly, he saw a hoofprint of a cow full to the brim with water. Oh, I'll drink from here. Oh, please do not, warned him Alenushka. If you do, you will turn into a little calf. Please wait for the well. <sighs> on and on, on and on they went. And the day was hot and the sun was high. And Ivanushka got even thirstier than before. So when he saw a hoofprint of a goat full to the brim with water, he ran to it and drank from it and turned into a little white kid. When Alenushka saw what's happened to her brother, she started to cry. She cried and cried and cried and cried and she couldn't stop. A young merchant was riding through the field. He saw Alenushka crying and asked her what's happened. So Alenushka told him the whole story. Mm, the young merchant got so sorry for Alenushka and her brother. And as Alenushka was a real beauty, he asked her, Will you marry me? Your little kid brother will live with us. So they got married and they lived happily. And the little kid ate from the same plate with Alenushka. One day, when the young merchant was not at home, a wicked witch knocked onto the door of their house. The wicked witch turned into a kind old woman and she asked for some water. After the wicked witch drank the water, she said, Oh, Alenushka, the day is so hot and the sun is high. Oh, let's go and have some swim in the lake. Alenushka agreed. She took her kid brother and went to the lake. But at the lake, the wicked witch jumped onto Alenushka, hung a huge stone around her neck and pushed Alenushka 
into the water, and Alenushka drowned. The wicked witch turned into Alenushka and returned back home. And I tell you what, neither the young husband nor servants saw any difference. It was only the little kid who knew the truth. But he couldn't tell anybody, as kids do not speak. So he just cried and cried, cried and cried, and he wouldn't stop. So the young merchant asked the wicked witch, What's happened to your brother? I don't know. But the kid continued to cry, and the merchant continued to ask. Hmm, thought the witch, I should kill this silly kid. So she approached the young merchant and said in a sweet voice, Oh, look at my brother, he's so unhappy, he'll never be a boy again, he's suffering so much, let's be kind to him and kill him. <gasps> How can you say that? The young merchant was shocked. He's your brother. But the kid continued to cry, and the wicked witch continued to say, Oh, look, he's suffering so much, let's be kind to him and kill him. That one day, the young merchant got tired of it, and he said to the witch, Do as you wish. Aha! The wicked witch ordered to make a huge bonfire, hang a huge cauldron above it, and sharpen a huge knife. When the little kid saw that, he ran to the lake and started bleating. answered from under the water. Oh, I wish I could. But the stone is enormous, and the weeds have tangled my ankles and wrists, and the sand is so heavy on my chest. Meanwhile, the wicked witch started searching for the little kid. She sent servants here and there to bring her the kid. One servant came to the lake, and he came just in time to hear the little kid starting to bleed for the second time. Oh, dear Alenushka, please come ashore. The huge bonfire is burning. The huge cauldron is boiling. The huge knife is being sharpened. The wicked witch is going to kill me. Oh, I wish I could. But the stone is enormous, and the weeds have tangled my ankles and wrists. And the sound is so heavy on my chest. Servant ran to the merchant and told him everything. So the young merchant ran to the lake, and he came just in time to hear the kid starting to bleed for the third, for the last time. Oh, dear Alenushka, please come ashore. The huge bonfire is burning. The huge cauldron is boiling. The huge knife is being sharpened. The wicked witch is going to kill me. Oh, I wish I could. But the stone is enormous. And the weeds have tangled my ankles and wrists. And the sand is so heavy on my chest. When the merchant heard that, he recognized Alenushka's voice. And he ran into the lake and brought Alenushka out. 
but she was so weak and so pale that he felt so sorry for her, and he gave her a big kiss and a big hug, and Alenushka became full of life and even more beautiful than before. And the wicked witch was tied to the tails of the four horses, which were sent in the four different directions, and not even a tiny piece of her left. And what about the kid? Huh? The little kid was so happy to see his sister back to life that he couldn't bear the joy and made three somersaults and turned back into a boy. And they all lived happily ever after. Thank you, Ala, for sharing this wonderful story with us. I haven't heard this one before, but it sure reminded me of another version of it that I had read a long time ago. It was called The Lambkin and the Little Fish, and it comes from Germany. In fact, I also found out that there are 124 variants of this very story that have been recorded across Europe. Isn't that amazing? Yes, indeed. And did you know, Nidhi? This story has also travelled to the East and was adapted by Nippon Animation Company of Japan in an anime for one of its television stories named Aneto Ototo, which literally means older sister and brother. It just goes to show that folklore has no boundaries. Let's head over to our next segment of Adult Story where we have invited Nancy Lepard from Singapore. Growing up in Singapore, Nancy read and heard stories from many countries and cultures. She loved how stories took her to different places and experiences. And now she loves sharing stories with others, transporting them to the other worlds. Besides that, Nancy has also conducted a webinar for Feast titled Stories for All where she shared her experience for a special needs classroom. So now, without further ado, let's hear Nancy tell us the story of the Black Prince all the way from Egypt. The boy fell to his knees at the old man's feet. He wasted no time and asked, Are you Habi, the magic man? The one people say can do anything? Can you make me clever, strong and powerful? Can you make me charismatic and unrelenting? Can you make me a prince, a warrior? Habi looked at the boy who had walked three days and three nights through the desert to find him. The boy had nothing but the clothes on his back. And in his hand, he clutched a wooden flute which he had carved. 
The boy was covered in fine desert sand and he looked like he could rest and have some food and drink. But all the boy wanted was what he had asked for. Habi opened his eyes wide and smiled a toothless grin. Slowly, he bade the boy to sit on the well-worn carpet. He gestured to the dates and the tea. And all this time, Habi remained silent. And the boy looked at Habi in anticipation. When the boy realized that Habi would not speak until he had eaten, he took the meal and he waited. Finally, the magician spoke. Boy, you have come a long way to seek change. Tell me your story. And the boy spoke. He was not clever or strong. He had no friends. Only his mother cared for him and yet he often saw her cry. For the villagers had told her he would never amount to anything since the only thing he did all day was sit on the wall and play his flute. Saying that, the boy put his flute to his lips. The melody that floated into the desert and seeped into the sands was the purest, most beautiful sound a magician had ever heard. Tears flowed down the boy's cheeks and he told Habi that he had fallen in love with the pharaoh's daughter. Day after day, he sat on the high wall of the palace and played his flute while she sat by the pond within the palace grounds, loud by his music, filled with his longing for her. But the pharaoh's daughter could never marry a boy with a flute. She would marry the man her father approved of, a prince or a warrior. Boy, I can make you all that you ask. But once I change a man's soul, I can never change it back. All right, said the boy. But what will you pay me? And the boy gave Habi his only possession. He gave Habi his flute. He gave Habi his soul. He walked into the silence. Three years passed and Egypt was under heavy attack. The pharaoh lost almost all his land and his wealth. In his desperation, he promised power and wealth to anyone who could win the war. That very day, a young man dressed all in black emerged from the desert. 
He told the Pharaoh that if the Pharaoh would let him lead the army, he promised to defeat the enemies and win the war. And within weeks, the war was over. The Black Prince, as he was now known, returned victorious to the Pharaoh. With eyes locked on the princess who was seated by her father's side, the Black Prince spoke. I do not want your power or your wealth. I want only your daughter's hand in marriage. Princess Satmos looked at the Black Prince, then she turned to the Pharaoh. Father, you know that your wish is my command, but my heart is betrothed to another. I yearn for the boy who sat on our garden wall and played his flute for the sky and the birds, for the flowers and the bees. He filled my lonely days with his music. I had imagined for him to come down from the wall so we could be together. Then one day, the music stopped. My heart told me he had joined the war to fight for me. I wait for his return. I long for him to play his flute once more. All this time, the Black Prince had not taken his eyes off of the princess. Now he turned. He turned and walked out into the empty silence. That was Nancy Leopard with the story, The Black Prince. What a sad but an extraordinary tale of love, longing, mm, the heartful sorrow of unrequited love. This ancient tale from Egypt never fails to amaze me. Perhaps it is more relevant than ever, don't you think? Consider how many times we are overcome with a desperate desire to be someone or something that we are not. Well, I hope after this delicious dumpling of a tale, you're hungry for more and ready for our hearty, wholesome entree, a wonderful kind of a meal that will leave you anticipating for more. Hmm. It is said that the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, but it's the initial step that is usually the hardest, isn't it? So where does the journey of a story begin? Well, even before we can shape a story and tell it, we have to find it, dig it out. So really, it begins with the question, how to find a story? And we have with us just the right expert to help us with the answer, Dr. Zenga Zalka. Dr. Zenga is an international storyteller and author from Hungary. Her repertoire consists of a wide variety of old traditional stories, from myths and epics all the way to rare versions of fairy tales. She travels the world performing in English, Spanish and Hungarian. And she has published several folktale collections in Hungarian and English. 
Zanga currently lives in Budapest and works as a storyteller with the Relax Zeb Foundation for Children in State Care. So welcome Shenga to the Story Walk podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's great it's great to be here. You have spent your life as a storyteller exploring, researching, digging out stories as an archaeologist and you know right that most of the material that is available to the storytellers is in written form either on the internet or you know in the form of published authored works. How does one even navigate? Where should even one begin looking? Be it fairy tales, folk tales, legends, myths. Well, I uh, usually come to my stories uh, in two, one of two ways. One is that I just generally read a lot. I, I have, you know, I participate in reading challenges. I buy a lot of story collections and I just read. I go through a lot of books and maybe there is one or two story in every book that I say, oh, this one I'm really interested in. So it's uh, part of it is just browsing constantly uh, the, the sources that are available. The other is that sometimes I seek out stories based on themes or topics. So I really like getting a request for a storytelling performance uh, or just a, a single story that fits some kind of a theme. And then I go out and, and search for that theme specifically. So let's say, Zenga, you get a theme of water. How would you even begin looking for stories based on the theme of water? I might have something in my repertoire already or something that I know of that I haven't never told. Um, I usually go on my blog because I use my own blog as, uh, as my memory, basically. And I search inside my own blog, you know, have I ever noted stories that I really liked that had something to do with water? Um, so I do that. And then I usually start, when I actually start searching for new stories, I usually go to either Google Books and I just, I would just put water and folktales or water and mythology uh, into Google Books, or I would go to the, uh, the, the Thomson Motive Index, the, the, the Index of Folktale Motives, and I would search water-related terms in the Motive Index, and then I would look for the stories. What are some of the stories that are available in the public domain? Uh, there is a very interesting question. It uh, partly depends on country. So, for example, in Hungary, Hungarian folktales are all in the public domain. Uh, by law, they cannot be copyrighted because Hungarian folktales belong to the folk. Um, but uh, as far as a general idea goes, is uh, stories usually enter the public domain either about 70 years after they were written or about 70 years after uh, the death of the author, if they are authored stories. So... Um, you know, you have to look into the copyright regulations of your own country or the country that you're working in uh, to see what is in the public domain. Folktales very often are, but, uh, but they can have copyright. They can be copyrighted by the translator or by the collector. Um, so it's, it's worth looking into even if you're working with folklore. If let's say a folktale from a culture other than your own resonates with you, speaks to you. Is it appropriate to tell it without the, you know, the risk of cultural appropriation, especially when it comes to stories which are sacred to a specific culture, like mythology or religious stories? 
I think part of this question goes beyond the scope of just research. I think this is a huge discussion and I love having the discussion with a lot of storytellers and I think it's very important. Uh, as part of the, the research part of it is that I usually think that the best thing to do when you are working with stories from another culture is to try to talk to storytellers from that culture. Uh, so you might want to reach out to storytellers who work with those stories uh, from that specific part of the world and and talk to them about how they see. Because I, people have reached out to me to ask about Hungarian folktales. You know, is it okay if I tell a Hungarian folktale and I'm not Hungarian? And Hungarians don't really have that kind of uh, sacred relationship with our folktales. So to me as a Hungarian teller, it's completely fine to take a Hungarian folktale because those existed for, for entertainment. Um, so we don't have, you know, we have some remnants of Hungarian mythology, but it's not a living mythology anymore. So uh, so it's, it's, it's really worth it to reach out and try to find people from that culture and have this conversation with them directly. I think that's the best way to go. If you can't, then uh, the next best thing to do is to really dig into that culture to see how what their what the relationship uh, of that culture to their stories is. Or you know, many cultures, if you read about the tradition, you find out that they the tradition had different categories for stories. They had the big stories or the sacred stories, and then they had children's stories or you know uh, stories that were not sacred. So if you know the culture's own a system of, of, of categorizing their stories, you have an easier time seeing what you might want to work with and what you might not want to, uh, want to tell as a storyteller. So research not only helps you find the stories, it can also give you a lot of context for how those stories exist within their own tradition. How does it work with published works? Is it important to take the permission of the author and the publisher before you try to tell a story, you know, in a public performance setting, which is other than the library, other than the school? Uh, well, if it's an authored work, if it does have a, an author, then then definitely. I think asking permission is always, uh, I, I think it's professional. I think for, as a storyteller, if I am telling something that is written by someone, uh, and it's not in the public domain yet, then it, I, always, I always get permission, either from the author, if the author is alive, uh, or from the publisher, uh, if I can reach out to the publisher. Larger publishers, uh, you know, big international publishing houses usually have a form that you have to fill out. They are prepared for people asking for permission. So you can find these forms or their websites and you can submit your requests uh, if, it, if it's a really large publishing house. But I think it's very important for anything that is copyrighted uh, to ask for permission. I think as a performing artist, you have to be a professional about, about uh, these works. There are times when we hear a story from another storyteller, whether online or on a podcast or live. And, you know, it's really a very good story, speaks to us, and we want to tell that story. So what are some of the things to keep in mind before one does that? Um, this, is, this also goes back to storytelling ethics. And I think it's, it's also important to ask uh, the storyteller for permission. Very often, uh, I, American storytellers call this a signature story 
very often a storyteller will have their own version of a folktale. It's, you know, they had the, how they tell it, how they have crafted it, how they have changed it and, and made it their own. So even if it's a folktale, their telling of it is their signature story. So it is polite to ask permission. You know, you know I usually would say, oh, I love that, st- that story. I love your telling of that story. Would you give me permission to tell that? And they either say yes or they either say no or they tell you you can tell it, but you have to mention their name uh, when you use the story. Or if they don't really like the idea of you telling their signature story, you can just say, okay, well, I really like this story. Would you help me find the sources that you worked from? And I can make my own version that way. So a lot of storytellers are happy to give you, oh, you Originally, I found it in this book or originally I, I found it here or there. And then you can go look at the original text, uh, do your own research, find other versions, and then you can make your own performance out of that. But I think it's it's definitely, um, you know, polite and, and ethical to ask. You know, having a good story is like a temptation, like a trap. It prevents you from developing your own language to tell the story. Before you go, would you like to recommend any resources for our storytellers to look up to research stories? You know, I'm always very happy to help people if they reach out to me with a specific story that they are looking for or a specific research question. And I, I sometimes I use that for my blog. Uh, you know, it's like, as somebody asked me this and here is what happened. And then it becomes a nice story of, of you know, treasure hunting from the public domain websites to the to how to use the motif index how to use the folktale type index i that's my one of my basic recommendations to professional storytellers is learn to use the indexes you learn to use the motif index and learn to use the arna thompson uh, folktale type index because it is going to make your world much bigger and much more exciting and they are like roadmaps or treasure maps to stories that you might not come across otherwise. Thank you Zanga so much for giving us your insights and your pearls of wisdom to us budding storytellers. Thank you, thank you for inviting me. Well, we hope you found this segment as insightful and useful as much as we did, and we really hope it will help you to navigate the world of stories in a more efficient way. You can follow Zenga on Twitter and visit her blog for articles on world folklore. Her blog is multicolordiary.blogspot.com. And we will continue our journey into crafting a story in the next episode of Storywalk. So if you have any storytelling questions or comments, please do write to us on storywalk at gmail.com. You will find all the details in the episode notes. Now let's slide into the pantry to grab a few quick bites with the episode producers about our theme for this month. Metamorphosis. The theme of metamorphosis packs a complete story in itself. So here I am in the pantry with my co-producers Shelley and Kosser, tasting a few nibbles about our topic of the month. You know, Shelley and Kosser, the first thing that comes to mind 
is the beautiful transformation of a butterfly from a caterpillar. But I believe metamorphosis is an integral part of everyone's life, which can be determined by a certain incident or an experience or maybe tackling a specific situation in life. I feel it is a turning point that influences our personalities, our lives. In fact, there is this beautiful Buddhist tale that comes to mind as I speak. It is a story of transformation of a notorious serial killer Angulimala into a monk, which happened when he set out to kill Buddha. But instead of hatred, anger and fear, he was met with love and enlightenment and it completely changed him for the better. That was his moment of realization, a transformation that led him to eventually change his life path. Oh, you know, Nidhi, I love this story. And what you said is so true. And, you know, you can actually relate to it in terms of our relationship with stories as well. You see, sometimes there are stories that immediately speak to us. And then there are those that don't. They just lurk at the back of our mind, don't really mean anything at all. And then they come to the fore when we experience something specific, which makes those very stories more relatable and then we suddenly fall in love with them. And we cannot remember why we didn't see it earlier. So the way we perceive our stories also evolves with us. And this happens over a period of time. You know, it takes a tremendous amount of exploring, growing, reflecting and re-evaluating for a beautiful story to emerge from his chrysalis. Shelley, your take on metamorphosis and our relationship with stories is so interesting. You know, speaking about chrysalis, it completely resonates with Feast as well. The Federation of Asian Storytellers, which was initially formed to bring the storytellers in Asia together, actually had the chance to undergo the whole process of metamorphosis itself and hosted its first ever virtual international storytelling festival that touched upon every corner of the world in terms of storytellers and audiences. And since then, it has been buzzing with excitement. And I'm so looking forward to it. Gosser, why don't you give us a little gossip about what's happening in Feast this year? Why not? Feast is all set for this year. Right from webinar panel discussions to story slams to special interest groups to OLEOs and mentorship programs. To start with, the proposals for the kids, adults and multilingual OLEOs are open for all the Feast members. You both look confused and intrigued about what an Olio is? Well, head over to our Feast website and find out all your answers to your questions in the webinar panel discussion called Olio 101. And if you are interested in telling stories to adults as a performance storyteller, do not miss out the webinar panel discussion. And Shelley, you were interested in Story Slam competition? Well, it is happening in later March, so look out for it. Wow, that sounds like such an exciting year to look forward to and I can barely wait. But you know, we started our discussion on a metaphorical high horse and Kosser very gently brought us down back to feast. Hmm, I think we producers, we take our tagline, the Storybook Pantry is always open too seriously. 
because I really think it's time for the fortune cookie we promised our listeners at the beginning of the episode to do the rest of the talking. So you too, zip, zap, zop. is incomplete without a dessert and I wholeheartedly agree as I'm sure a lot of you would too. Traditionally desserts are served at the end of a meal to signify its completion and to leave you feeling content. Which brings us to our last and final segment of Fortune Cookie where we have stories which will be told bilingually in English and another Asian language. Here we have Dharanya who's a puppeteer and storyteller working with children using stories in various mediums like puppet shows, role plays, oral telling and writing. Instilling a love for reading is her passion project and joining her in tandem is Banumati H who is known for blending tradition and modernity with oodles of fun along with audience participation. They are both storytellers from Chennai and together they will be telling a story in English and Tamil. Ore 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 la, ore ore card. ஒரே ஒரு காட்டுக்குள்ள மரம் ஒன்றில் கூடு ஒரே ஒரு காட்டுக்குள்ள மரம் ஒன்றில் கூடு வாஸ் ஒன்ஸ் அூஜ் ட்ரீ இன் தாரஸ்ட் அண்ட் தே லிவ்ட் டூ ஸ்பேரோஸ் இன் அ நெஸ்ட் அ வெரி டாக்டிவ் ஸ்பேரோ இண்டீட் கீச்சு மூச்சுன்னு ஒரே பேச்சு ஆல் டே லாங் த ஸ்பேரோ உட் சாட் வித் குவிரல்ஸ் அண்ட் அதர் பேர்ட்ஸ் ஒல் என்ன குருவி இன்னைக்கு என்ன கதை கேளுங்க ஒரு நீண்ட வாழு குரங்கு இந்த மரத்தில் இருக்குங்க மரத்தில் இருக்குங்கிட்டும் கவ்விக்கிட்டும் துள்ளி ஆடுது துள்ளி ஆடுது மரத்தில் தவ்விக்கிட்டும் பழத்த கவ்விக்கிட்டும் ஆமா தவ்விக்கிட்டும் கவ்விக்கிட்டும் துள்ளி ஆடுது கூடு கட்டி வாழும் உத்தேசம் அதுக்கு இல்லைங்க கொஞ்சமும் இல்லைங்க சேஃப்லி Oh, Sparrow, really appreciate your concern about the monkey roaming without a home for its own. But I think that is not your problem. 
everyone in the forest knows how to live their life on their own korangoda veetta patti nee yosikama nee poi om velaya paaru naan poi yen velaya paakuren varatuma see you tomorrow next day the sparrow is still curious about the monkey enga anda koranga kaano i should talk to the monkey rainy season is fast approaching he definitely needs a nest ah, ah i found him oh korange oh korange dear friend come 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 over here it's me it's me the sparrow ennaya poi korange maram vittu maram thaavi vandudu enna kuruvi why did you call me hey monkey don't you need a nest nest you mean kood yenakku edukku kood naaye na onna mari paravaya kuruvi the monkey seems to ignore the concern or rather the advice of the sparrow you have hands and legs like humans kaiyum kaalum nalla dane irukke kood kattlamla nee அடுத்த நாள் காடு முழுக்க ஒரே மழை மழையில நனைஞ்சுகிட்டே தாவி தாவி ஒதுங்க ஒரு இடம் தேடி அலைஞ்சிச்சு கடைசியா அந்த குருவி இருக்கிற மரத்துக்கு கீழே வந்து நடுங்கிக்கிட்டே நின்று Hey monkey Vandiya didn't i tell you already about this will you stop this now nirthriya upadesatha why you like this always don't you listen when someone tells you something good solra peche kekkave maatiya korangini what would happen if you build a place for you to live for nalladhu sonna ketukanum theriyuma I'm telling you, Venda, itoda nirthiko. The monkey was already shivering and the continuous advice of the sparrow irritated the monkey. Nii, sonna atanga maata. Unna, inna pandaram paar. And it started to shake the tree and climbed up. Hey, 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 inka edukka varaya? What are you doing? Are you planning to ruin my nest? Ha! அது வரைக்கும் அந்த குரங்கு பொறுமையா இருந்துச்சு மரத்து மேல ஏறி கோபத்துல அந்த குருவியோட கூட்ட களைச்சிடுச்சு I didn't heed to the owl who warned me already. Why did I ever give advice to the monkey? He was never willing to take it. Why didn't I heed when the old owl warned me? It is I who has to change my ways. It is not the monkey. Nanna enna maathikenu. Korangi illa. நான் நல்லா 
was truly beautiful. Although I don't understand Tamil, but I could almost sense the joy, that sweet emotion that the teller feels while telling in their mother tongue. Hmm, I guess it's time for me to practice my Punjabi. We come to the end of the first episode of Story Walk Season 2. We hope you relish the hearty helpings of stories as much as we enjoyed serving them to you. Do write in to us at storywalk at gmail.com to let us know your thoughts on today's episode. Story Walk is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast and other leading podcast platforms. Subscribe to the Story Walk and share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to follow Feast on Facebook and Instagram for the latest news and upcoming programs. This is Nidhi Gujral and on behalf of my co-hosts and co-producers for this episode, Shelly Verma and Kausar Karimi, we thank you for listening in. We hope to have you join us next month as well for some fresh servings of stories in a brand new theme and some tips to season your stories from another storytelling expert.